Welcome to the sermon podcast of Kusada Baptist Church. We want to be a lighthouse to guide you on your journey through life. Listen as our pastor, Dr. Jim Graham, shares a message from God's Word and offers sound biblical direction for your daily life. This morning, I'm going to tell you a very familiar story. A story is one of those Bible stories that we grow up with. But I always like to look at those stories again, you know, as adults and really think about what they're saying and what they're uh, teaching us. Um, We have this tendency when we're in trouble uh, to argue the fine points of uh, what is said. We become uh, legal experts really, really quickly. Uh, my kids, my boys, one time they were fighting. I don't know if you, you, you if you just have boys, you, you understand they're, you're going to have fights. And so they, they were, uh, they were fighting one time and I'm standing right there and they're kind of arguing with each other. And one of them just reaches up and just kicks the other one. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Can't be doing that. You can't be kicking your brother. And he said, I did not kick him. And I'm like, look, you know, I'm literally standing two feet away from you, and clearly you kicked him. I did not kick him. I said, well, I saw you raise your foot, and I saw you strike out at him with your foot. What do you call that? He said, I did not kick him. I pushed him with my foot. (laughs) I said, okay, well, that's also on the table. We did not push him with your foot. This is the problem with with legalism. This is the problem with rules. This is the problem with those kind of boundaries because we can we can twist and change the wording so that we're technically not doing the wrong thing. We're really good at it. We're really good at going, well that, you know, that wasn't that wasn't a lie, that was this. That wasn't, you know, and, and so we do that. But we do it to absolve ourselves of guilt, to make sure we're not doing anything wrong, that we're, we're in good standing. Now, today when we talk about legal expertise or experts in the law, we're referring to um, our, our constitutional law and our the laws of our, our state and our city, civil law. That's usually what we're talking about when we talk about laws. But in biblical times, in Jesus' time, when they talked about the law, they were talking about God's laws and how he first, uh, before Jesus came, he established a set of boundaries. Now, he clearly, he, he indicates to us as, as he goes through history I put those boundaries in there, one, to help you, but two, to show you that it is impossible for you to follow all the rules. You just can't do it. We're human beings. We, we can't do it. We're not capable. Also, because we don't want to follow all the rules, we're good with a lot of the rules, but then some of the rules we'd rather them not apply to us, or in certain situations we'd rather them not apply to us. And so we like to bend the rules or change the rules or use different words for the rules right so there were experts in the law in Jesus day and they kept trying to entrap Jesus and talk to Jesus about the rules people do that today they do that with me today as a pastor 
isn't this against the rules? Is that really Christian? You know, does that fall under the rules for what you should or shouldn't be doing? They love to give examples of somebody else who's not following the rules. That's not right, is it, Brother Jim? That thing right there is bad. You know, like we, we do that, all right? So this, this guy uh, kind of grabbed Jesus together and he goes, I know the rules. I know the rules, and I'm following the rules, and I want some clarification that I'm doing a good job. And see, Jesus had tried to simplify everything. He says, y'all are trying to follow 600 and something rules, and I just want you to love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. Like, that's what I want you to do. And all the rules will be taken care of in that. Now, we're, we're not good with that. You, we, you know, we start trying to interpret. Well, we need to break that down. What does that mean? Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? This is what human beings do. Jesus was going the other way. He said, I don't want to make 600 rules. I, two will cover it. Love God. Love your neighbor. You know, my kids used to hate that. I don't know if you ever did that when they got a little older, you know, and they'd be fussing about something and I would kind of just get them. Like, I tell you what you do. You go to your room. I'll give you like five minutes or so, whatever you need. You go to your room. I want you to have a conversation with God about this situation and then, and then come back and tell me what God told you is right and wrong. They did not want to do that. They didn't want to talk to God about it. They wanted to argue about the finer definitions of the rules, right? Can you imagine that? So go talk to God and tell, ask God if he wants you to push, kick, hit, whatever. You know, just go talk to him about it. And then we'll just do whatever God tells. I will let you decide what God wants you to do. As long as you can look me in the face and say, this is what God said, then I'm fine with it, okay? That's kind of the way God's operating. Just love God and love your neighbor. So this guy in particular says, well, I want you to define neighbor can we can we get a a structural definitive you know exact definition of neighbor what is a neighbor is it the person that lives right next door to me is that my neighbor is the person that lives two doors down from me are they my neighbor is my neighbor everybody who lives in my neighborhood right? Um, what is my neighbor? Do they live in the same town as me? Do they live in the same state as me? Like, who is my neighbor? That's what he asked. So Jesus, as Jesus would do, he didn't give him a straight answer. You know, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be great if God just said, your neighbor is anyone who lives within 2.4 miles of your house? Great. Anybody outside of that jurisdiction, I don't have to love you. But that's not what he said. He told a story. And he says, I want you to tell me in this story who is the neighbor. And he tells a story of a fellow walking down the side. And I don't think, I don't know if we have the scripture. Did we put the scripture? Is there scripture on the next slide? Yes. Let's just read it. All right. He says, one day an, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? He said, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? <laughs> what do you think it says, right? Let's go on to the next slide. He says, the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Jesus told him, do this and you will live. 
You must do it, okay? Can't just know it. You must do it. So the man wanted to justify his actions. He knows he's feeling a little guilty. This is what happens to us. I don't know if I've been loving my neighbor, right? I don't know who this guy is. Maybe he has a problem with his neighbor or someone that he would classify as his neighbor. He doesn't like his neighbor very much. And so he's decided, you know, I need to clarify. So he asked Jesus, next slide, who is my neighbor? Here's the story. He said a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. It's a good story start. Everybody in that part of the world would have known that the pathway, the roadway between Jerusalem and Jericho was a very dangerous area uh, filled with bandits and that kind of thing. Like it was not, not a travel you wanted to make alone. It was a scary journey. And he said, and this guy was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. Now, a priest would have been a very holy man, a, a man who served in the temple, a man who uh, would take your sacrifices that you brought, and he would take them and prepare them and offer them to God on your behalf. It says, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. You know that. We've all done it. We've looked. We've seen the situation. And we make a judgment call. Okay? Look, sometimes you help. Sometimes you jump in. You help somebody. Sometimes you're like, I don't have, I don't have time for that right now. Like, I don't have time to deal with that. I don't want to deal with it. You know, that looks a little messy, whatever it is. And so you just kind of scoot on by, speed up a little bit, right? Move on down the road. We all do it. You've all done it. You've passed by somebody. They're on the side of the road. They got a flat tire. They got, you're in a situation. You're walking down. You could be here at church today. You walk over, somebody's sitting over there and they got crying a little bit. And just, I don't I don't want any part of that. You know, i got to go pick up my kids in the nursery, whatever it might be. And we just kind of go on by. We do that in a lot of situations. I just don't want to deal with that right now. So he passed on by. He said, then a temple assistant or a Levite walked over and looked at him lying there. But he also passed by on the other side of the church. This isn't an official priest. This is more like this is a deacon, you know. This is somebody who serves in the church. they got a leadership role. They help. They would be setting up stuff and doing stuff. That's what the Levites did. And uh, he also, he didn't, he didn't help. But these were people who would have known the law. You know, they would have been people that this person who was asking the question would admire. And think we're godly, religious people, right? So uh, he walked over and looked at him. But he also passed by. So he went a little further, right? He walked over and checked it out. Oh my, and went, mm, well, I don't. Checked it out. That's a little much. Walked over to the person crying. You okay? When they gave their answer, they went, whew, they're not okay. And this is above my pay grade. Good luck with that, and moved on, right? Or whatever was happening, we need to call somebody else to help, right? Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Now, Jesus is really poking, at the, like he's, I'm going to get him, right? 
He picks someone that might even be the kind of person that this person asking the question would not consider a neighbor at all. Like, are you saying that's my neighbor? Because to me, that's not my neighbor. They're not a part of my community. They're not in my circle of friends. I don't hang out with that person. I don't have a problem with them. I'm just not going to... I'm not going to eat with them. I'm not going to hang out with them. I'm not going to their house. They're not coming to mind. That's who that is. But that person goes over, checks him out, and helps him. Says he goes over to him. The Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he took the man, put put the man on his own donkey, and took him to an inn where he took care of him. They would have had inns, you know, just like we did, a little different place where you could stop, eat, sleep, a safe place. Uh, And he says, the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. I'm guessing this guy travels, the, the way Jesus is telling the story, he travels here regularly, stops here regularly. The guy knows him. He's like, here's some money. Take care of him. I think this is enough. I think he'll need to be here, you know, another week. Here's enough money for that. You know, if it ends up being two weeks, when I come back by, I'll pay the rest of the bill uh, that's owed. So he asked the man, which of these three would you say was a neighbor? So he he twists the question for him. The man's saying, who's my neighbor? Who do I have to see as my neighbor and treat well. Jesus flips it on him and says in this scenario, who was being a neighbor? Who was being neighborly? And he said, well, the man replies, obviously, let's go to the next slide, the one who showed him mercy. So Jesus said, go do that. You want to know who is your neighbor? Who do I have to treat well? My answer is not, who is your neighbor? My answer is, go be a neighbor. Be neighborly. That's a backwards answer. They're trying to look at how, how far do I have to go to, you know, who do I have to minister to? He says, no, 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 you minister to everybody. You be a neighbor. It's what you need to do. So in this story... There's some different attitudes. I want to point these attitudes out to you, and I want you to think about them and analyze for ourselves, who are we being neighborly to? What is this command that God says to us? I'm breaking it down for you. I want to simplify all the rules. I want you to love God with everything you have, and I want you to love your neighbor. I mean, this is what Jesus is saying. They cornered him one time, see, and said, what are the greatest commandments? And that was his answer. Here's another guy cornering him, different kind of thing. What do I have to do to be saved? He says, this is what you need to do. You need to do these things. This is how you live a righteous life. So the first attitude is the attitude of the robber. Now, hopefully there's nobody in here who has a robber's attitude, but the robber's attitude is what's yours is mine, and I'll take it. That's the robber's attitude. I don't care about you. I care about me. Now, we may not be robbers, but we don't mind taking what we think is rightfully ours and what we think we deserve, right? 
And a lot of times we get in that mindset. I'm going to get as much as I can get. I'm going to take as much as I can take. And if I think it's rightfully mine, then I'm going to take it. It belongs to me. All right? And that might mean what yours is mine, I will take it. And so when we get in a situation and we feel like we can take advantage of a situation and we feel like somebody should treat us the right way or do us the right way, we're going to demand and we're going to want, we're going to, and we're not, we can be not very neighborly. And I see this all around. I see it like <coughs> I have a, I, two of my kids work in the restaurant business, all right? One of them's a waiter, right? It'll change your perspective on, you know, Waiting, you know, if one of my kids was a basketball referee for a little while, that'll change your perspective on, I don't know, you've heard, you know, you're yelling at somebody. If that was your kid, you'd feel differently about it. Like, the, there's so many things. I know I want to be served. I'm there to be served. If I'm spending the money for a nice dinner, I'm definitely there to be served. I want things done a certain way. But sometimes things don't work out. How do you treat that person? Are you being neighborly? Well, they owe me this. They should do me like this. They should treat me like this. This is a robber's attitude. What's yours is mine, and I'll take it. Unfortunately, this worms its way into our home sometimes, and it's very unhealthy in a home. We're actually born this way. You do understand this. We're born this way. Again, I had four kids. Put them together. You think they're walking around and going, oh, what's... Here, take this. That's not what they do. One of their favorite words, one of the first words they learn is what? Mine. That's mine. A kid is so selfish they can be playing with something, not paying attention to something else, but you start playing with it, and they will go, I don't want you to have fun with that. I'm the only one who wants to have fun with that. And they go take it away from you and say, that's mine. You can't have that. I'm going to take it. And we're working to teach them, no, you need to share. You need to let them. You need to be neighborly, right? What's yours is mine, and I'll take it. Some of us have a hard time growing out of that. Really do. I want what I want. And I struggle when it's not going the way I want it to go. And I get really frustrated by that. And so I work the system. I'm not outright a robber, but I will manipulate and push and make people feel like we just need to do it their way. It'll be easier because I'm dealing with a robber, not a neighbor. What's yours is mine and I will take it. Well, what's the victim going through? Well, there's a victim's attitude and that person's attitude is what's mine is gone And I need your help. And there are people who need our help. What's mine is gone and I need your help. Now, some people deserve our help and some people do not deserve our help. Jesus told a story very specifically not to make the argument of whether the person deserved being helped or not or whether the person who was doing the helping was a person who you would normally think of as someone who would help or not help. It's not about whether the person deserves your help or not. Sometimes we don't even know. Sometimes we don't even know if they deserve our help or not. 
They may have put themselves in that situation. All I know is there's a guy beat up on the side of the road. For all I know, he's the robber. (laughs) Right? He jumped somebody. They fought him off and left him there. I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. Right? I don't know if this person is deserving of my help or not. But I do know one thing. What do I know? They need help. So, some people, we are indebted to help. There's some people who need our help, and we're indebted to help them. So, we give ourselves a lot of credit for being helpers, but sometimes we're helping because that's really the only option. It's my parents. I'm supposed to help them. It's my children. I'm supposed to help them. It's somebody in my family. You get it? Oh, this is somebody connected with my work. This is a known situation. To look the way I need to look in this situation, I need to help. I'm not trying to be cold-hearted or whatever, but there's a lot of times that our motivation to help, it's not just out of pure compassion. It's, it's the right thing to do, so I do it. But if it's not the right thing to do, if there's no compelling thing that pushes me to help in my society, then it is easy to pass on by. <coughs> when nobody expects me to help, it's easy to pass on by. But we just need to know there are people in this world and they're in desperate need of help. What's mine is gone. This is their attitude. What's mine is gone and I need your help. I need somebody to help me. Even if it's a little bit of help, even if it's a little bit of compassion. Sometimes you think, I have no help but to show compassion. Sometimes that's, that's great help. Like I can't help you. I don't know what to do. But I can show compassion. I can show care. I can give my presence. All right, what about the passers-by? What's their attitude? Their attitude is what's mine is mine and I'll keep it. What's mine is mine and I'll keep it. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the resources. I don't have the courage. And this hits a lot of us. I don't have the time. I don't want to expend my time and my energy for that. If I get in that, if I help with that. and Now look, you do have to protect yourself. I'm not saying you don't have to protect yourself. There are people that are robbers disguised as victims. I don't want to blow your mind with that. They will take and take and take and take and take because they're in need but their need never dissipates and they will just take and take and take from you because they don't have any boundaries and if you if you don't have any boundaries and they don't then they're just going to take 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 i understand you have to protect yourself you have to determine what you can do but so many times we draw that line so far back that we're not we're not helping we do it in all kinds of areas You hear us in church talk about needing volunteers. Well, if I volunteer, 
then I have to get up earlier and show up earlier or stay later. See, that affects my time. I have to prepare, do this, and I, I don't know if I have the energy or the resource. You know, and so a lot of times, whether it's volunteering to help in those kind of scenarios, or it's a personal thing, there's some person in need, some situation, a lot of the time, what that involves is, can I do that, or do I even want to do that? Because, you know, we don't really choose like a church or a place of business or something because we're sitting there going like, oh, there's a lot of broken people here for me to help. This will be awesome. I don't, think, I don't think anybody here chose this church because you went like, oh, this will be just a great chance for me to, you know, pour my life out into this. Most of the time, that's not what we do. We choose a church or something because we're like, ah, I like that music. That was good. You know, I like that preaching. That was good. I like my small group. That's good. I like the feel of this place. You know, I like I fit in here. You know, uh, it fits my vibe. You know, that's good. You know, like we pick because of what, what's good for us. That's okay. I'm fine with that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying we don't usually join a group or a situation. So, you know, Really, the place we end up helping the most is the place that we didn't choose, our family. You didn't choose that. That was thrust on you. And your family has a lot of problems and issues and struggles, and so you end up and you're doing all this helping, right? You're doing all this helping with all of them and all their stuff. And outside of that, what's mine is mine, and I will keep it. So I don't have the time, I don't have the energy, I don't have the resources, I don't have the capability, I don't have the courage. In other words, I'm, I'm a little nervous about that situation. I got a call this week. I got a call this week, and the call was basically, I don't have the courage, I know you know this situation, will you go do something about it? Because I, don't, I love these people, but I don't know, I don't have the ability or the courage to do it. Jim, you go do it. That was the call. Now, that's okay. You can call me for that. You may, you may call me. Jim, you're a preacher. You have a, you know, whatever. But what Jesus was trying to say is, sometimes it's the priest that's walking by and going, uh, the person who's neighborly is the one who helps. Just go over and help. Well, I'm not a doctor. Well, you don't have to be a doctor to care. You don't have to be a doctor to care, Right? You can help in some way. Your presence can be a help. If you're a loving, kind person, your presence helps people. Paul wrote Timothy and he talked about people who are like a breath of fresh air. You know what a breath of fresh air is? Have you ever worked outside on a really hot day and it's stifling Alabama heat? And it's just sitting on you and weighing on you. And it feels like there's just moisture in the air and sweat's pouring off your brow. And you're sitting there and then all of a sudden a breeze blows by. And you raise up for a moment and pause. And you just feel the breeze and go, whoo, right? And maybe in that moment the cloud blocks the sun for just a moment. Anybody had this experience? We all live in Alabama. You know what I'm talking about, right? 
And for a moment, the temperature drops 10 degrees as the cloud passes by and the breeze blows and it drops 10 more and you go, thank God, it was 80 for a moment. And Paul describes to Timothy, his young protege in the faith, he's saying like, you know, some people are like a breath of fresh air. They're like the wind on a scorching hot day. So some people... That's what you are. You're just the person who, because of your demeanor, because you care, it makes that person go, for a moment there, that felt better. But not the person that says, what's mine is mine and I'll keep it. Then, there's the innkeeper's attitude. Now, I don't have a problem with the innkeeper. Please don't misunderstand me. I get the innkeeper. But his attitude is, what's mine can be yours for a price. I'm a businessman, and I will help you. There's a price for my help. I'm charging for my help, right? I'm going to take the money. Yes, I'll help. And yes, if there's additional expenses, when you pass back through, I will give you the bill, and I will get the help. And there's nothing wrong with this. Listen, business is business, right? And... And I, I, I have no problem with the business world. Like, I, we do exchanges all the time. I, I want this food, I'll pay you for the food. I need my car fixed, I'll pay you, you do the car. There's all kinds of things and services and things that we need. We pay for them, they do them, and we appreciate that exchange, okay? That's, that's what you're doing. Now, I'm talking about the world where the exchange is not so obvious. There's not an invoice. But there's a lot of us that the exchange is, I will give as long as there's an equivalent blessing. I, I help, I'll help this person, but there's potential for them to help me in return. I'll help them, but like I said, there's a sense of obligation uh, to help. When my kids were in school, I volunteered at the school. A lot. A lot. I would send out things and go, we need help with this, we need help with this. And I would be, whatever, parking cars at the football game, showing up for library day or whatever the things were. Like, there were all kind of things. And then they graduated. And they graduated one day and they said, we need help in the parking lot. And I was standing out in the parking lot at a football game parking cars. And I went, what am I doing? I have no obligation to these people anymore. It's Friday night. I should be home. Oh, it's Friday night, 6 o'clock, and it's 85 degrees. It's August. Why am I standing out here, right? Why did I help so much at the school? I helped not just because they needed help. I helped because it would be beneficial to my kids. There's a payoff, right? We all know this. That's Jim and Perlene's kids. They're wonderful. They help us so much. This is their kid. So their kid is going to get a little bit of benefit of the doubt because their parents are great people who volunteer and help. You know that, and I know it. It's an exchange. If there's no benefit, you think I'm going to be up there all the time helping with that? 
Good luck with that, right? What's the benefit? So this is, but sometimes there's benefits that can't be measured. Like in God's world, in spiritual world, what's the benefit? Well, I'm impacting the kingdom of God. I'm doing it for God because I love God and God asked me to. That's a different reason. And, and I may not can see what that blessing is. In fact, that blessing may be something I don't realize for a long, long time away, right? There's a vast difference when I'm helping my parents because I love them and I recognize in retrospect all that they did for me. And it's not about future benefit, right? I used to talk to my kids. I've told you this many times. My kids and they would be acting up. They'd be doing something. They're teenagers. And I would say, and remember, I, I would tell you, I called myself the wallet. And I would say, why would you talk like that to the wallet? That's a mistake. You don't want to talk that way. I'm the wallet. I'm the one. You're going to ask me for money for something in like, you know, next week, in three days. You're going to want something from me. And today you're talking to me like this. You think that's fine? You think that's going to work? You know, don't talk to me. Think about who I am. There's an exchange going on here, right? On how you should be treating me and stuff. But now we all learn this as part of society. But what Jesus was saying is there's a point where we pass by this. See, because we can walk by the person in need and we can go, you know, really, there's no sense of obligation. There's nothing that, I don't know this person. There's nothing this person can ever do for me or help me with or whatever. So there's no incentive for me to help that person. So we pass on by. If you top that off with I don't have the time, the energy or whatever, I'm passing on by. Oh, that's my boss's relative? Oh, let me help you. What, let me help you. Why? There's an incentive. There's an incentive to help. And that's built into society. That's part of culture. That's part of society. Jesus is arguing that's not the way that a follower of Jesus Christ operates. He just... That person just helps. What mine, what's mine can be yours for a price. Then, of course, finally, there's the Samaritan's attitude. And their attitude is, what's mine is yours if you need it. What's mine is yours if you need it. My distress, or let me say it this way, your distress is my distress. I will give. If I get nothing in return... That's okay. I have, I feel like I've been blessed so that I can help. What I do know, I know so that I can help. I believe that when I walk past that person in distress, that God caused that intersection. That's what I believe. I I, I believe that happens for a reason. And so he put me there, and you're there, because you're the person that's supposed to be there. And that God is orchestrating that. And so, everything I have, I have because God has given it to me. Here's my situation, here's the, here's the time, the course, this thing. I was somewhere a couple of weeks ago, and I was just arbitrarily out in the community. And... 
I saw a person I know just outside and saw them. And I said, how are you? Like you do, right? How are you doing? And the way they answered me, I could tell everything wasn't good. You know what I'm talking about? I could tell something was wrong. And so I stopped. I kind of went, you know, I'm just like, hey, how are you doing? Whatever. And they went, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. good and then that turned into an hour long conversation because they were not good see I believe that God stood them there so that I could walk past because he needed them to he needed them to know that he loved them and he put me there he could have put you there because of what it's not it's just that you care. It's not that you're an expert. doesn't matter if it was me or whoever it was. That's why you're there. That's why that person is there. Who is loving their neighbor? That's the question. It's not who is your neighbor that you're supposed to love. The question he turned around is, who of you is loving their neighbor? There's a world of people out there who are hurting terribly hurting and there's some things that have happened this week that just have just really weighed that in on me of how much people are hurting and how much they go through and we're going to sing a song here in a minute and, and it just says you know kind of the cry we have is where can I go I mean the only place I can go is to the cross of Jesus Christ and it's at the cross of Jesus Christ that the change that whole means are broken. It's at the cross of Jesus Christ where the where the shame that tries to to just flood my soul falls away. And whether you're an expert or not, you know Jesus. You're a follower of Jesus Christ and Jesus says, "Listen, I really just have two things for you to focus on. Will you love me with all your heart?" love your neighbor who's your neighbor let me say it like this be a neighbor that's what he said so that's my challenge to you what is your attitude of the attitudes we talked about how are you approaching life how do you walk down the street how are you walking home this afternoon how are you spending your time energy effort how do you look upon the person that you're walking past because in that moment you are Jesus for them will you do that will you point them to the cross let's bow our heads and pray together the musicians are going to come they're going to lead us in that song and I want you to sing it with all your heart today dear Lord we thank you we thank you that you are the answer that you are the place that we can go that we can turn to the cross help us Lord to be people who look on our fellow man with a different set of eyes and Lord that we express our compassion our generosity our helpfulness as an instrument of who you are in the world in Jesus name we pray 
Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our prayer that it's been helpful in this part of your life journey. We invite you to join us at Kusada Sunday mornings for worship. Visit our website at kusadabaptist.org for directions and more information about our church.